today on the TMZ Podcast. Welcome to the TMZ Podcast. Harvey Levin here. Katie here. And Jason. So, Chris uh, Jenner poked the bear. Oh. Oh, did she? Uh, you know, she was on James Corden uh, last week. And they asked this staged question, were you, you know, did you have anything to do with a sex tape? Ooh. And she said no. And she passed. Yeah. Yes. And she came off as truthful when yeah. you watch it. Well, I thought, dude, I mean, dude, it's one question. Yeah. There are other questions to ask if you're serious. Understood. Ray J answered them. In a 45-minute video clip. Did, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, when you, want, when you watch this, it is revelatory. Because remember, the... Party line in the Kardashian family is Chris had nothing to do with it. Kim had nothing to do with it. The sex tape was released. She was horrified. She sued. Um, they settled with Vivid Entertainment, the company that released it, which didn't make a lot of sense because then the tape stayed in the market. Right. Mm-hmm. So if she sued and all, but anyway, that's the party line. Ray J says bullshit. Ray J says that, number one, uh, there were two sex tapes, one shot in Cabo, one shot in Santa Barbara, and that Chris looked at both, picked the one where Kim looked the best, and then said, that's the one. Then he says- Can we stop- Yeah, we should stop there and discuss. We can stop there. The mom is reviewing the sex tape uh, frame by frame to see how good her daughter looks- Hey, she's got to find those good angles for I mean, her daughter. Th- this no, is, again, I'm not. I, 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 this is what Ray J saying. I'm not owning it, right. but this is right. what Ray J saying. If if true, the, uh, well, look, we get it. They are all about money. They are all about increasing their fame. They have been for no, a no, long no, 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 no. Don't say increasing their fame. This is a case where they had no fame. Oh, making no, no, but that's fans. really yeah, important. That's she, really important. I mean, that is a level of that's a level of mother daughter closeness that most most families will never. Never accomplish, but now remember the backdrop of this was Paris Hilton's sex tape, which was enormously profitable for Paris and Rick Solomon, right? Tens of millions of dollars, yes. And they were struggling some, so the Kardashians were, they were struggling some. Well, when she was married, uh, because I remember when we did Celebrity Justice. Um, which was 2002 to 2005, there was a story we did. There was a lawsuit that Amex filed against um, against uh, Chris and Bruce at the time, uh, saying that they owed $100,000 on their Amex card and didn't pay. And remember, too, that one of the things with Ray J is his sister, Brandy, and their mom alleged yes. that the Kardashians stole $120,000 off of their Amex card that... Kim and others used. So they're in financial straits at this point. We know that to some degree. They're being sued for for, for money that they allegedly right. owe. Now, the second part of this is yeah. that Ray J says when Kim says that she had nothing to do with it, again, he says bullshit because he points to the contract that he signed. He says Kim signed one too. But on his contract, there is an inventory list of three tapes. One is an intro tape in Cabo, one is a sex tape in Cabo, and the and the third is a sex tape in Santa Barbara. And that's really important because the Kardashians in their brand new TV show on Hulu did a whole storyline about how Kim was 99% sure there wasn't 99.9%. Yeah, she had to leave a little little, right. <laughs> little room there for Well, we're going to get into well, we're going to get into that because that's the second angle to this thing. But 
the handwriting, Ray J says, on the inventory list on his contract is Kim's handwriting. And he then gives a, a he has a side by side where he shows what Kim's handwriting looks like and you compare it against what's in the sex tape contract. Proving that if, assuming what he's saying is true, that she, she was, was not only aware, she was writing these things out and inventorying them. Yeah. Not, not just writing it out and inventorying them, but it seems to suggest she signed her own contract, too. Hardcore forensic yes. evidence. He really got into it. Ray J really, I mean, you cannot... <laughs> <laughs> he really, he really got, got into, into this. You can see how he would have been livid about this. He's made to seem like he's, you know, wrapped up in this scheme somehow. And he's saying, and they're just lying. They're lying about themselves, lying about me. They're making me look like a bad guy, which I know we're going to get into some more. But good God, if good for Ray J. Now, I worry that Ray J has breached his confidentiality agreements in these contracts. And I don't know if they're going to come after him or not, because well, there's, there's no the, doubt that he had confidentiality clauses in these contracts. Well, is the confidentiality with Vivid or with Kim? I would think with Kim. Like, Vivid doesn't care. Well, you could argue that Kim has breached it by saying she didn't participate in it. Well, I'm not sure. In, that, in other words, if you yeah. if you speak out about it. You, you open the door for Ray J. Yeah, we'd have to see what the contract there, says, but yes. Let's talk yes. as a practical matter. You really think the Kardashians are going to sue because then their contract yeah, right, comes right, out. Right, right, right. So that's the not going to happen. Right. So yeah. let's talk about why Ray J is so pissed off. He is still angry about season one of the Hulu show, the first episode, Katie, what you were talking about. Yeah, where they did this whole storyline um, and Kanye went to, Kim said there wasn't a second, second, se second sex tape. Con she sent Kanye to get this computer that possibly it was on. I mean, they built their whole storyline around it. She gets a computer. It's not there. Everything's fine. There's no second sex tape. Well, now Ray J's saying. Well, it, it, that's not what's pissing him off. What's pissing him off is that she said, well, that 0.01%, I don't know, maybe he shoved a dildo up my butt when I was sleeping. That's right. That's assault. And this is what Ray J said. And now I can sue it for exactly like what you're doing, lying. Let's get to the facts of what happened. Let's get to the facts of the timeline of when it happened. So all that crying that you did was all fake. All the stuff you said, all the people you lied to all around the world, all the, all the important people that gave you deals, like that you cried in their bathroom and shit, like that shit was, you sent them on a ride, yo. I mean, look, it was a suggestion if there's, but she know, but to, to your point, going back to the first thing we were talking about, she knows the second sex tape. She knows what's in it for her to suggest there maybe a point zero one percent chance there is one because maybe Ray J sex raped her while she was sleeping is absurd. And it's, I get why he is so angry about this. It makes a lot of sense. And I would be pissed off too. And and it's almost shocking he didn't come out back then. But I think the thing with Chris was the final strike. He just, I mean, when you listen to these this video, he unloads. He's unleashing for almost an hour. Minutes. I mean, for yeah, 45 minute video with forensic accounting. Yes. I mean, that's the part that I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. He is angry. He lays out a compelling case. I mean, he, he we, does. And why do they keep bringing it up? Let it go. Oh, well, they, we know she, why. They, I mean, they were launching needs... this new show on Hulu, right? They wanted a huge bang when they launched it and they got it, right? Everybody was talking about this in the days leading, the days immediately afterwards. The show, the ratings for the show were huge, at least in season one. I don't know if it continues to track. But well, now season two 
two's coming out, so I right, guess that's right. why she's back out there peddling it. It was it was huge in season one, and they got everything they wanted out of this leak of this phantom sex tape. So you know they got what they wanted as they always do, and now Ray J's pissed off and going after them. Yeah, that's true. They owe him an apology, honestly. If if it's not if if what he's saying is true, they owe him an apology. So um, what do you guys make of this thing with the Royals that Harry and William came together? I've got a bunch of different conflicting opinions about it. Do you buy it? I'm asking you. I don't buy it. I, I, I think they're doing a very nice job for to set the scene that they have come back together in some sort of kumbaya over the grandmother's death. I think that's and good for them for doing it. But I don't believe there's any thawing in the relationship between them. I'm going to give them a little thawing. I think in in times of grieving, right? They have to the, the two brothers have to come together and and the family has to. First, even if it's just for five minutes, I'll look at each other and be like, oh, man, this is sad. Let's come together. I'll okay. give them a little bit. I'll okay. give them a little bit. So let me give you a scenario. You and Jason are brother and sister. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> and a very close relative passes on. Okay. You didn't get along, but you're the passing relative wants you to get along. Mm. And so we'll you, call him Uncle Harvey. So Uncle you, Harvey's passed along. You show, you show up for the funeral. Okay, and you're very, you know, you you're presenting, yeah. um, but Jason's writing a memoir, and you are pissed off that the memoir is being written. So, are you really coming back together with him? <laughs> okay, maybe I'm not thawing for thirty <laughs> seconds. By the way, the memoir is going to say some oh. <laughs> nasty wanna, things about you, Katie. I don't want to read that memoir. <laughs> no, but that's the point, right? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, he knows. William knows this memoir is being written, right? Yeah. He's seen the Oprah interview, right? Yeah. Harry fled, right? Yeah. Um, and there are these allegations, which frankly I believe, but allegations that he made public that uh, somebody in the royal family commented on the color of Archie's skin yep. right. and that there are a lot of people who think that Harry was pointing either at William or Charles, it may not have been them, but a lot of people were saying it. So how much- How do you get over that and actually have a thought? How, how do you get over right. that and do anything except present a uh, united front? I think there's real love between William and Harry that goes back a long time. I think they're obviously they're very angry at each other, and William's very angry at Harry. Um, but I don't think you can just set that aside. I think it's lingering there. I think there's obviously a lot of resentment towards Meghan, rightly or wrongly, a huge amount of resentment towards Meghan. I don't think Kate and Meghan have any sort of a closeness in their relationship whatsoever. I think these are people walking through the motions to put on a good face f- for their grandmother and to honor her legacy. And they all, by all accounts, love her dearly. And she was good to all of them. She's the glue. But, yeah, but haven't you glue. ever been so mad at someone, but you have such a history with them that for like a couple minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes, something happens that like brings you two back to that place where you remember the good in each other. Yeah. And you can set it aside. You can set it aside. Permanently? Okay. Not Maybe not permanently. There has to be some work done. But for you know, this period in time, maybe this, maybe it was an hour, maybe it was a day, maybe they set it aside and so, you have those good feelings. And then ultimately that's what makes you work to get back together in a good space with that person, right? Like it can happen for sure. This could be what brings them back together. Okay. So let's get back to the memoir then. So you would think in this memoir, since, you know, the, you know, what Harry and Megan have been saying is that this was impossible for Megan. She wasn't treated properly. There was a measure of racism in it, sexism in it, the whole thing. That when Harry writes this memoir, it's going to be critical of the royal family in different degree, in, in various degrees. And that 
William is now the heir to the throne. Right. And so it's more it looms bigger because he's the heir to the throne. Does he take that more personally now? How, how could he not? He's, he's got to take it more personally now. He's, he's got to be more worried about what it's going to say. And ultimately, the memoir has got to say bad things about the royal family or the publisher's not going to buy the memoir, right? We, 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 it's got to say something that's revelatory about and dysfunctional within the – about the dysfunction within the royal family. That's the only thing that's going to sell books. Um, and it's it's got – now that he's the heir to the throne – and his father is not a young man either and never been a particularly healthy man either – I, you know, to the extent it matters, it may be sooner rather than later. I don't see Charles living to 96. Um, I think Harry, uh, William is very invested in taking the throne and keeping the th- keeping the royal family. And if Harry throws place. a monkey wrench in it. Yeah, it could be, it could be traumatizing. Could that be being said, he's still going to be king no matter what's written in that book. So he could also just be like, well, write whatever well, you want because I'm still but getting the royal, all the jewels. Yes. But, but the family itself is not necessarily really secure. There are all sorts of People issues. People want a republic. Though. Yeah. yeah. They're pretty secure though, right? I mean – Harry's going to, I mean, the, the William's going to be The one that's never talked about is the enormous financial boon the royal family is to that country. Like the, the, if you look about it, they make billions of dollars in revenue because people come to see the Buckingham Palace stuff and all the royal stuff and people are, you know, people want to dismantle it. Be careful, Britain, what you ask for. It's, it's very profitable for you to have the royal family. And you're making it sound more like Barnum and Bailey than the royal family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is, I mean. Yeah, yeah. right. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, and Walmart, and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. So download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's Rakuten. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Okay. Uh, Britney Spears. Uh, She was uh, torn up uh, over the weekend on social media saying that a piece of her has died over the estrangement with her children. Blames it on Kevin Federline for doing an interview. Um, Says that she once had 70% custody. I don't know about that. I know she had 50-50 after the conservatorship started. But she has gone back and forth like a swinging pendulum from calling the kids hateful, saying that they were money-grubbing and the gravy train was going to leave the station, to now saying that she's heartbroken. This was really hard to listen to, right? I mean, this was just so sad. This is just a mother who's like, I don't understand why my children won't see me. This is like my heart has been ripped out of my chest. This was I, I. I felt just a lot of sadness listening. to I this. felt tremendous sadness. Yeah, both for Brittany for what she's gone through, and also for the kids who have had to deal with this bizarre relationship between their husband, uh, their, their father, and their mother. And I found that Brittany's. It was hard to listen to Brittany's comments, both for the sadness that she had, and also for the slightly unhinged way in which she was saying it. So let's get into the unhinged way. So. Look, this conservatorship began for a reason, right? right? I mean, there was a reason back in 2007 when this thing started why they ended up getting a conservatorship and doctors examined her and everything else. So 
Look, and there's no shame in it. I mean, you know, you're not, you don't choose to have issues, mental struggles or whatever. You just get them. Right. And so if that's the case and if she's kind of, if this lingers, what I found really interesting, we put a poll up on the website over the weekend. Uh, We do these nine polls every weekend just to take the temperature of people to see what they think. And it has radically shifted with Brittany since the conservatorship ended, that there was this huge outpouring of support for Brittany. This time, it was was like 66% um, thought it was shameful that she had gone after the kids. Right. That's really interesting because... A lot of those people are people who were saying the conservatorship was bullshit. It should never have started in the first place. It was awful. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And some of those very people are the ones who are now saying it's shameful what she's doing. But if what she's doing is just a measure of what you called unhinged, yep. it's kind of hypocritical on the part of people. Although we've now seen it may be that people's minds have just changed, right? Because I think we all saw that she was in this awful conservatorship and right. Jamie Jamie seems like by all accounts to have done some some real disservice to Brittany in the later years of the conservatorship. And so it's one thing to want her out of the conservatorship. Now that we've seen her free of any restraints, we don't always like what we see, right? It's a little scary, honestly, the way that she's But where's the empathy? Well, it's really hard Where's when you empathy? see an adult yeah. with their children not being the adult in the situation. I understand and that. That's what's hard. No matter what the mental, if there's mental illnesses there, mental illness there, it's really hard to watch an adult not be an adult when it comes to your children. But and if, that's why people lose empathy because you're like, hey, these are kids. Right. But if there's an issue that causes that and people, I mean, you yeah, can be empathetic I, that she has, she suffers from from mental issues, emotional issues. Certainly she does. I don't think anybody disputes that, that Brittany's got some mm-hmm. some things happening inside of her head that aren't quite totally normal. Um, but, you know, when you went to, to Katie's point, when you go after the kids, when you when you don't seem to be in line with your kids, and you don't seem to really want to do the things necessary to get your kids liking you again. It seems it's problematic. I, I found her comment it's really about sad her, about her. It's very sad. I found her pro- comment about her father. Really, I mean, it's telling in so many ways when she says that she prays that he's going to burn in hell. That's a level of hate that you don't usually hear come out of people's mouths. I mean, she's by all accounts, Brittany's a God-fearing woman. uh, And for her to pray that her father burns in hell for all eternity is something. It is. Uh, Okay. So, um, God, I disagree with Aaron Rodgers on COVID. Yeah. I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan, though. I really am. And I, I mean, and it's funny because there are, it, it seems like you're not supposed to say that, but I am. And the reason I am is just because what I like about this guy, and again, I disagree with him on the COVID issue, but Aaron Rodgers is a thinker and you may not agree with everything he thinks and says, but he's a thinker and he is not pressured by this ridiculous social media, which I I mean, I just have, I don't know, social media to me is just ruining this country. And just the idea that, I mean, you know, I'm I'm sorry for going back in time, but there are these idiots on social media now that that are attacking William because he wasn't holding Kate's hand when Harry was holding Meghan's hand. It's like, just, you know, are you just looking to criticize no matter what? Clearly, yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah, And that's all social media is. He doesn't care. And he's a very public figure and he gets 
just lambasted by, you know, social media all the time. And he just doesn't care. So he was on Bill Maher and um, on his random uh, podcast. And, you know, Bill is the same way. He doesn't care. And the two of them, I think, together, just so fascinating. This is one of the things that they talked about. Abortion's been a hot topic, right? And especially after Roe v. Wade got overturned and sent back to the states or whatever. I don't believe the government should have any control over what we do with our bodies. No. So as much as I might be lean more pro-life, I don't I don't want the government telling me I can't smoke a cigar, I can't have a drink of alcohol, I can't choose my own medical decisions, and if I'm a woman, don't fucking tell me what to do. Like whether or not I agree with what you decide to do, who cares? And the government should not have a decision that that infringes upon my own personal freedoms. This is a real roller coaster ride for me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Tell me. Because when he first said, he's like, I don't think the government should have control over our bodies. I was like, yeah. And then he's like, even though I, I, I lean um, pro-life. pro-life. And well, I was like, boo. Wait, wait, wait. wait. No, no, no. <laughs> you should yay that. And I'll tell- no, no, I shouldn't. Because no, no, there no. is no need to go on and say that. Let me tell you why. There is a huge need to do it. Because what's happened is both sides villainize each other. And what Aaron Rodgers seems to be saying is he leans toward pro-life, but that's his point of view, that he thinks other people, even if he disagrees with them, should have the freedom to choose. Isn't that the win? I just didn't. Isn't that the win? I mean, no, because I think by even just saying that, you're saying I'm pro-life, which means that no matter what, you should deliver a baby. Well, no, no, no. And I think by putting that out there, then you're saying like, hey, Eileen, I believe this. So like, no matter what, this is, uh, it's a diff- that's why I said it was a roller coaster ride because then he did go on to say women should have a right to choose. But I just think by him like inserting his viewpoint kind of makes people go, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers believes like, well, no, know, but, a, but, a, but Aaron Rodgers is saying, baby, no matter what, but that's his personal opinion. And he's saying, I will respect the opinion of others even if I disagree. Isn't that the way we should be talking? I I respect Aaron Rodgers in a lot of ways because he's very authentic, right? He does not, he he is a libertarian. He believes government should get out of the way, regardless of what anybody's personal choices are, government should get out of the way. And I respect that because he truly believes it and he's authentic. Here's my issue with Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is nearly as smart as Aaron Rodgers thinks he is. That's <laughs> maybe, my problem. Maybe, but 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 he, he's got. And maybe and so what? Who who am I to make that call? But he goes on these various podcasts and he says things that are just kind of dumb sometimes. But is this one dumb? No, this one's okay. This one doesn't bother me. Well, no, no, no. I, I but I mean, point. but the, the, if we're talking, if we're sticking with the, his comments on pro life, he's saying, look, I, I guess what he's saying, just trans. You know, and try to interpret it. Translates. I don't mean to say that. Try to interpret it. I think what he's saying is, in my life, if it was me and my girlfriend or my wife, I would strongly encourage her never to have an abortion. I don't believe. We didn't it. say never. For, for for himself, I don't. I'm pro life. Maybe not. Pro life means never nope. delivering but, but, a baby, no matter nope, what. Nope. That okay. is pro life. Katie, let me ask you a question. What would you think about a woman eight and a half months pregnant having an abortion? Depends on the circumstance. It definitely depends on the circumstance. Definitely right? depends on the circumstance. Eight and a half months. Depends oh, well, Harvey, on the circumstance, if, if, if Harvey. The, if, if the, the child mother's is still, in danger of dying. Or the child dying, is going to be stillborn. Right. If the, if no, the mother's in danger of dying. Suppose they're not. 
Uh, well, th- these are all hypothetical no, 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 questions no, no, there, there, that you can't answer. No, this is the whole problem. There, there's a, this is the problem. There's a reason I'm raising it. If somebody just says, ah, I don't want to have this baby after eight and a half months. No, but that doesn't but hold happen. On. But what you're missing is this. See, this when is the you point, say, though, when because you that say, doesn't happen. When, and then people throw out all these hypothetical situations and you can't answer it. It's individual. That's the problem. Here's the problem. That both sides, there's no absolute here. That if you read Roe versus Wade, it is not a woman's right to choose. It's not. They have a very specific thing. Here's what happens in the first trimester. Here's what happens in the second trimester. Here's what happens in the third trimester. So there are restrictions on abortion in Roe versus Wade. It's just, you know, personally, I think they're reasonable restrictions, but there are restrictions. So it's not an all or nothing thing. So if somebody is pro-choice, that doesn't mean that anybody can have an abortion for any of the nine months. You would still have some restrictions. And similarly, people who are pro-life, that doesn't mean at the point of conception, they wouldn't allow contraception or they wouldn't allow, you know, the, the, the morning after pill or anything like that. It's just where do you draw the line? And I don't think by listening to Aaron Rodgers, he's saying, I mean, I don't know how he truly feels, but that doesn't mean he's against contraception. He's against the morning after pill. He may not even be against, you know, an abortion two months in. I don't, I have no idea, but it's not an absolute on either side. And I, and, but, and, and I think by recognizing, he kind of recognized that by saying, look, that's not me, but if somebody else makes that choice, I'm going to respect But it. I think he is absolute in the opposite direction. I, based on him saying the government should never tell a woman what to do with her body, he does say the word never there. To me, he would say abortion's fine up to eight months. Maybe. Right? I mean, Elsie's somewhat inconsistent. Say that if he says a woman, if the, if the woman always has the right to choose, government should have nothing to do with it, then he should be fine with no matter what. But that's, well, but he's saying his right. personal view is he has a problem with it. But in terms of the government, he doesn't want them involved in it. It but, was just interesting to but me that he's stuck in his personal but, view. But, like, but his absolutes are what make him not as smart as he thinks. Like, I don't think anybody would say that a woman should be able to do lines of cocaine while pregnant. That should be illegal. But Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't make allowances for things. But do you like understand that. When, right. when 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 people scream, "My body, my choice," that's not Roe versus Wade. Oh well, well, yeah, well, so we get uh, we get that. Right. But no, no, I, but I but there are yeah. the absolutes on both sides are right. just not reality. But, but Aaron Rodgers goes on for a hugely long podcast. I think it was a couple of hours long and he's making all these points. But they, like his point about COVID, he said, uh, "I'm from the. I think the COVID restrictions are ridiculous." Uh, folks up in Chico, California, where I'm from, it's a small town, didn't really have bad COVID, but it shut down all the businesses. Do you know how 700 and some thousand Californians, you know, were stricken by COVID? Hundreds of, I think hundreds of thousands died. I, look, but I he mean, makes, he doesn't discuss that. I agree with you. I mean, he, look, listen, I'm not That's, saying he's the smartest guy in the world, but you don't have to be. He is sm- authentic. But he's, he's good looking, right? And he's, he's good, good looking. looking. <laughs> although, although I'll give him that. just one, thing, give him one that. thing to button this on, he played yesterday, had the one of the worst games of his career, and they lost to a team, that they, Green Bay lost to the Minnesota Vikings, and it, it was 24 to 3 or something like that. It was a disaster. Okay, so, so maybe coming to an end. So now we got to go to Bill Maher and say, did you get Aaron High on the Club <laughs> Random <laughs> right. Podcast? Oh my God, yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> okay, we'll see you tomorrow, everybody. 